Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Airport Wild Podcast presented to you by Lou Makers Wildlife Management. I'm your host, Brett Jacobson, and on today's show, we have um, FAA certified airport wildlife biologist Crystal Alexander, who is up in Alaska right now working at an airport. Um, and she's going to share a bunch of stories about how she got into the industry and what she's doing right now. Uh, so I hope you enjoy today's episode. And as always, subscribe to our podcast, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram. Thanks. Hey folks, it is March 18th. This is episode 23 of the uh, Airport Wild podcast presented to you by Loom Acres. Um, today's guest, we have Crystal Alexander, who is a wildlife biologist, uh, and currently she is in Alaska. Crystal, I know this is the highlight of your day being on this podcast, but how else, or how are you doing and what else is going on with you? Uh, doing pretty good. I'm enjoying spring, like slowly making its way up here into Alaska. Um, and just keeping busy with some airport stuff. Days are getting longer, so my schedule's changing a little bit every day and just going with the flow. Perfect, perfect. So, okay, so you're a wildlife biologist, okay? Um, let's just get to know you a little bit here first, right? So, obviously, um, aside from being a Instagram and Facebook superstar, uh, you've got quite the audience, uh, you know, you share a lot of pictures and a lot of videos, uh, which is awesome. Um, you know, where did, uh, where did the love from the outdoors um, come from? You know, just walk me through like the beginning stages and, and how you came to, to want to be a wildlife biologist. Okay, so I grew up on like a little farm in Kansas, and I grew up hunting and fishing with my dad and brothers. I think most people who have like a biology or like background like this um, kind of have a similar story, just grew up in the outdoors. And then when it got towards like end of high school, all of my friends were like getting accepted into colleges and getting their scholarships in order and picking out their dorm rooms. Yep. And I hadn't even applied yep. to college yet. Like sounds, I had so no yeah, idea what I wanted familiar. to do. That sounds really, really familiar. <laughs> I, took a, I took a different route, so yeah, but continue. Um, and so I went to go join the military, actually. I went and talked to an Army recruiter, and he saw my grades and everything and was like, no, 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 like, I really think you should go to college. And at the time, I was working for my dad's company in aerospace engineering, and I hated it. I hated being in a cubicle. I hated doing the data entry. I hated doing the bubble prints. Like mm -hmm. the warehouse part was much cooler to me than the cubicle part. Like if that's you know, uh, my first job out of college, I was a uh, I was a lead generator for a payroll company, and that was making two hundred or one hundred and fifty to two hundred dials a day in a, in a blue wall cubicle surrounded by hundreds of other people so yeah i hear you so uh so yeah aer so aerospace engineering doesn't work out what what comes up next yeah and so the recruiter was like no no you should really go to college you should do this and 
my dad's best friend growing up worked for Arkansas Fishing Game. And he's like, no, there's stuff like that. I saw this cool documentary where they were like documentary doing a documentary over redwoods. They went from like the southernmost redwood in California to the northernmost. And they just recorded everything, like just took a bunch of data and photos. And I was like, well, that's cool. Like something like that. Um, so I found the program at Stephen F. Austin State University. It's in East Texas. It's one of the best forestry schools in the nation. And um, it was, it's almost like a double major. Like my degree is actually forestry, but I majored in forest wildlife management. And then I got a minor in biology. That was pretty easy to grab because everything was so, it just kind of covered everything, the whole curriculum. And then, so I went to Texas for a year and I thought I didn't like it because it's like you first start off doing a lot of forestry classes, which is a lot of timber management and plantations. And I was like, oh no, that's not what I want. So I transferred to University of Alaska Fairbanks for oh, a wow. year. Yeah, and so that was a pretty big jump. And then the program there was more wildlife biology and conservation. So then it was like the total opposite end of the spectrum where it was like people yeah, wanting to yeah. work in like wildlife rehab or wanting to like protect the land and like stop logging and just completely different. And then I was like, well, I really don't like that. But I like living in Fairbanks and I liked Alaska. So I transferred back to Texas um, and I finished my education there, got my degree there, but then okay. I was spending yeah. my summer in Fairbanks and my winters yeah. in Fairbanks working. Um, so I kind of jumped kinda, back kinda, Yeah, that's kind of two ends of the spectrum there. I mean, like yeah. the Texas life to the Alaska life. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> what was kind of the biggest difference between the two? Well, so I thought when I went to Fairbanks that it would be kind of like the same type of people. Like people imagine like bush people when they're thinking like Fairbanks. Yeah, the Alaska. Yeah, what's uh, what's that family on uh, that documentary? Oh, what's that show? And like yeah, there's like a couple yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're like weird. They're like inbred and stuff like that. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the people who move to Alaska to do that kind of thing they just moved to Alaska and do that. They don't go to college. And so the college was a lot more liberal than I expected. Okay. Um, meanwhile, SFA was more like hook and bullet type management. And so I was like, yeah, that's, that's a little uh, more of what I think. Like, so small town, Kansas, yeah, small town Kansas girl yeah. growing up with guns and ammo doesn't fit into liberal Alaska. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I ended up joining the army anyway. Uh, I actually just did the reserves through that and okay. I was actually worked in ammunition. So everything just kind of yeah. like tied in for me. Like, and I was in an aviation unit of all okay. things. So. so I did a little background and maybe this is true, maybe this isn't, but I heard your, there might be like some sharpshooting that you might've done in the army. Is that <laughs> correct or not? Uh, so everyone has to like qualify with firearms in the army and I just I qualified as expert while I was in basic Okay, so you so all right, so So you can shoot is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's the <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any like competitions or any kind of like, you know, nothing like that? No, you don't have like some crazy yardage story that you have No, I would love to join the thousand yard club at some point. Um, yeah but I've never, I've never just been like a gun fanatic. Like they're a tool to me. Um, I know people who own like 15 different types of ARs and like, that's, that's just not who I am. Like I've never yeah, been crazy I, yeah. about it. I feel you on that. I've got a bunch of friends, you know, like, uh, you know, not gonna, not gonna name names, but I'm sure if he's listening, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's, uh, at his parents' house growing up, we were just like, 
in awe, he had like this false wall, you know, and <laughs> you know, almost like a like a panic room before there are panic rooms. And yeah. um, you know, while everybody right now, because of COVID, is looking for ammunition, um, I definitely know where I would go if I needed some. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, for me, you know, I'm a, I am an avid outdoorsman, and you know, the the guns that I own. You know, they're tools for hunting and, and yeah. purposes like that. So, yeah, there's no underground bunker that I'm living in. So, um, all right. So, so, so your days as an Army Reserve. Um, so you also, you, what do you say? Something about uh, aerodynamics or something like that? Or what did you say? Uh, it was an aviation unit. Aviation. So where I went the one week in the month, um, they started off with Apaches. And that's kind of like how I got the job. Um, is because they had like a certain slot. They needed so many ammo people. They needed people to run the ranges for the okay. helicopters. And then they phased out the Apaches and got Blackhawks instead. And so basically I got like laid off from my unit. Um, yeah. They didn't need all those range dogs anymore. And Apaches basically. were really cooler than, than Blackhawks. Let's just be real. So Yeah. Well, they're an attack <laughs> helicopter versus like yeah. a defense and transport helicopter. Like yeah. You would have been bored anyways. Okay, so continue. <laughs> um, so I actually got to finish out my contract a little bit early. And I'm really grateful for the time that I spent in the Army. But I feel like it was holding me back from being able to travel and like move wherever, but I did okay. get some good training and like meet some cool people. So. Nice. Okay. So, so you get out of the army. What do you do after that? Where do you go? Uh, so then I graduate college. Um, I told you it's the degree in forestry and everything. Yep. And then I moved back home to Kansas for about a year. I started off working with the state doing a couple different seasonal jobs. And then that's when I had my first stint with Lou Makers. Um, I was, had the Hutch contract. Okay. And so that was about six months. It's, it was from like December to May. And it's basically just there for the geese migration coming sure. back and forth and keeping geese off the airfield. Mm -hmm. um, Have you heard what's then, been going on in, in, in Hutchinson, Kansas lately? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, so for obviously for, for people that don't know this, um, there is a local flock of turkeys that are terrorizing the town. And I heard, um, uh, I talked to a biologist there uh, recently who I think reached out to you, right, to talk about this uh, for some tips on, uh, so, so now Lou Makers is, correct me if I'm wrong, they're trying to trap these terrorizing turkeys, right? Yeah, so I know a couple years ago, they had like a turkey roundup because there's there's a flock that hangs out just outside the airport property there's an empty lot there it's and the airport's like right on the outskirt of town mm -hmm. um and so i kept seeing these turkeys over and over again but they weren't like coming onto the airfield and then finally they did come onto the airfield and i was like ready to get rid of them but then i was like well i don't know which permit they fall under because they're not a migratory bird but then my right. state right. permit only covers like mammals yeah basically yep. Um, so I got a hold of the game warden and it turns out they've had turkey problems there for a while now. Like it's just something that they got to deal with. They weren't in town when I was there, okay. but yeah, okay. on this past conference call, we found out that they're in town and they're terrorizing people, but you can't shoot within city limits. Right, um, right. So I just gave her the number of the game warden that I had talked to the last time. And they did a turkey roundup a few years ago. And I think they just waited until summer when they were flightless and they were molting or whatever and then they just you heard them much like a goose roundup and 
go pick them all up. So that's that's amazing. That's awesome. It, just, it reminds me of that. There's an episode on South Park. Where, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where the turkeys cut the turkeys attack, and uh, the town is at war with the turkeys. And um, I also heard that they actually painted a mural uh, <laughs> in the town, uh, basically of these these damn turkeys. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So. Um, and then the the the, uh, the police chief uh, was on record saying that there is a aggressive gang of turkey <laughs> terrorizing a certain neighborhood. So you can't make this stuff up. So and these are some of the coolest things that I, these are some of the things that I really enjoy hearing that you guys get to do. So all right. So we'll, so you had the Hutch contract, and then um, what happens after that? So my contract ended around May, and then I took a job with the Forest Service up okay. in Idaho, and it was doing Ooh. trail work. That's where all my like super cool pictures are from. It was like backcountry okay. horses and mules, like yeah, out there in Idaho. So so you're out in Idaho. Um, what are you doing out there? I mean, what's some of the work? Uh, what was kind of like your days like? Uh, so most of our days were day trips. We did have some camping trips where it was like four day stints, but. Um, Typical day, we worked four tens. We would get there, get the horses ready, get the mules ready, put the packs on. And then there's so many hundreds of miles of trails within that national okay. forest. And we had our own little district and we had all the trails and we just picked a trail every day and we would ride it. And the more popular trails, we would hit multiple times a year yeah. if there was like storms or something. And most yeah. of the trails were already built and we were just maintaining them. Like if yeah. a tree was down or okay. whatever. Yeah, so that doesn't really sound like like a lot of biology work. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> it sounds more like grunt work. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, so then, how long were you in Idaho? Uh, I was in Idaho from June to October, okay. and it was kind of like towards the tail end of my time there that Lou Makers okay. reached back out to me. So this and... is last year, twenty twenty, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So like COVID hits, right? Right around March mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody quarantines and becomes basically recluses and you're just out riding trails in Idaho, basically away from the world. Did you even know COVID was going on? <laughs> so you were well, like yeah, not affected, huh? COVID hit in March and, um, I was still in Hutch at that time, which okay. luckily like Kansas wasn't one of the like yeah. big hot spots for it or whatever. Some things did change with work. Like I started working from home more often instead of going into like a shared office space. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So your sweatpant game and your legging game, you know, really stepped up a notch <laughs> when you started working from home. <laughs> yeah. Just the office stuff though. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so COVID like had hit or whatever. And then when I first, moved up to Idaho. I did quarantine for a few days just to make sure I didn't have like any symptoms or anything like that before I got in the bunkhouse mm -hmm. with everyone else. And so then, where'd you quarantine? Like a hotel room or like a tent? <laughs> <laughs> they had like a little trailer in a nearby town. I just had oh, like a little yes. like travel trailer to myself. All right, so this is getting better. So now you're living in a trailer park. Okay, during <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> how long Mountains were you- in the background. What's that? Mountains in the background. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, was it like a nice trailer? I, mean, I don't know if yep. that's like a thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty new one actually. Like it wasn't bad and okay. you know, 
like an airstream or like we talking double wide double wide for sure ah, okay perfect perfect <laughs> uh so how long were you in there for only like five days it wasn't okay. bad just to make sure i like wasn't yeah. getting any symptoms yeah. or anything like that did you do a lot of netflixing i did a lot of sunbathing I'm not a big netflix or no person no yeah when when uh covid hit <clears throat> I don't know. It's so weird. Like, so I, I obviously I, I live in Rochester, New York, right? So we have people, um, <laughs> unlike, unlike Idaho, um, but like the streets were bare, like there's no traffic and I'm just like out there loving life. Right. Cause I'm Turkey scouting, uh, mm -hmm. getting ready for Turkey season. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, like there's nobody out there. I remember I kept getting pulled over by like sheriffs and stuff asking me, Hey, what are you doing? And I'm in like full camo, right and they probably think i'm like some doomsday prepper uh <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> like the walking dead scavenging you know vacant houses but you know so explaining to them you know oh no i'm just just getting ready for turkey season like please don't arrest me um but uh but yeah it was really eerie so yeah i definitely watched watched a lot of Netflix and did a lot of turkey <laughs> scouting. But all right, so you're in, so Lou Makers reaches out to you. Um, you're done quarantining, all that stuff. So what happens next? Where do you go? Uh, so Lou Makers reached out to me maybe like August-ish, maybe end of July even. Like I was in the middle of my season and I knew the season would end like mid-October-ish. Like okay. I was just with the Forest Service. Whenever it starts getting like too cold and there's too much snow, that's yeah. kind of what I was told. Um, but Lou Makers was like super vague at first because the proposal wasn't public yet. And so they're like, we know you have experience with Alaska. Like, would you be interested in going back? And I was like, interested, yes. But like, I kind of need more and then like I couldn't get information because the proposal wasn't public okay. and then all of a sudden like it was public they're like it's here on Prince of Wales Island it's at this airport this is what you're going to be doing this is how long it is this is what we're going to offer you um can you give us your resume because we need our proposal within 10 days and I was like oh my god like yeah. <laughs> so like That's I guess I'm quick. doing this yeah. Is that now, do you find that, you know, I mean, obviously I, I've talked to several wildlife biologists and, and one of my, my really good friends here in New York is, you know, he's got a similar background. It sounds like, you know, it, from all the stories that I hear, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like you're a flight attendant. Like, <laughs> like you're all over the place. Like one day, you know, like one month you're in, you know, some swamp in the Adirondack mountains of upstate New York. The next day, you know, you're you're doing hatchery work up in you know up in wash you know in Washington or some coastal place, um, so that sounds like it's almost like very common that you guys you know you're yeah. basically nomadic you know just the bags are always packed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can fit everything I own in my truck. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I can fit everything I can in my vehicle as well, but just for different reasons. But uh, anyway, <laughs> no. Uh, so, so okay. So the proposal's out. How fast did you get your resume over? Uh, so I kind of like made the decision overnight because it was one of those things. Like, if they like got the proposal or like if they won the bid, I had a job. If they didn't win the bid, I didn't have a job. And so yeah. like. It was kind of yeah. like, there was no like option for me to like give them my resume, but then sure. change my mind. And I was just kind of like, guess I'm doing this, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Here we go. And so, 
I got my resume in pretty quick and then the 10 days ended and then they're like, it'll be like two ish weeks until we find out if we got it or not. And so I'm still working at this point yeah. and I'm like, I guess I'll find out. And then, um, I get an email saying that we got the thing. And then I got another email saying Cody bought my ferry ticket for mm -hmm. this day. And so like, I had to go to my boss and be like, I know my season was going to be wrapped up, but like, here's my two weeks. Like I got to go. Yeah. I got to buy I ended my time in Idaho, like October 15th ish was my last day. It was in the middle of the week. I went to Arizona for the weekend for my sister's nice. 40th birthday, came back to Idaho, drove to Kansas in two days, packed up other things that I had all my winter clothes and stuff in two days and then drove all the way back across the country to Seattle to get the truck on a ferry. Yeah. Like all within a week. And then I mean, like, that's up a good in Alaska by I mean, November. Yeah. Like that's a really cool event. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like that's a great, you know, that's a great adventure. You know, that's like a cool opportunity and like, you know, I don't know, like the, you know, this industry and like, you know, what you do for a living and stuff. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the perks I would say. You know, like, that's a cool story. You know, it's not like, you know, for example, when, you know, uh, when I got, um, when I got a promotion, I, I used to sell payroll in HR. And, um, you know, my cool story was, yeah, I went from Rochester, New York to Indianapolis, Indiana. And, you know, they paid for moving expenses and everything like that. And it was really, yeah, you know, and I had training for like a month and yay you know <laughs> it's not like oh snap i got on a ferry i rode that to prince of wales island like <laughs> there's nothing like that so that's pretty cool that's an awesome story so so you're on the ferry you get to alaska what's next so crazy ferry story because of covid we um on the ferry's website they had a form saying like I have been tested and I've tested negative or I've been tested and I'm waiting on my results or I'm not going to get tested, but I'll get tested when I'm up there or I'll quarantine or I'm moving up there for work purposes. I'm an essential employee. Like I don't need to get tested. And so I was an essential employee because we're contracted out by sure. the state um, and it's for public safety. And so I was like, okay, I'm good to go. I printed that form from their website the day before I get to the ferry and they tell me if you don't have a negative COVID test, you're not getting on this ferry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had to put the truck on the ferry and then buy a flight for the next morning from Seattle to Ketchikan. So like had to like unpack my bags and repack my bags. And then we get to Seattle. I meet up with Cody in Seattle to come up here and our flights get canceled because of a storm. And so we have to like wait another night and then finally get up here. And then um, we got, we picked up the truck and catch a can, like it came, had all my stuff on it. I had to like give them my keys, like yeah. it gets up here, you know, it was a little weird leaving the truck with all my stuff on it, but they turned <laughs> away so many people on the ferry that night. Like people were so mad because yeah, that ferry yeah. goes from Bellingham all the way to Anchorage. And oh, so wow. there was people who had to put their truck on the ferry and then fly from Seattle to Anchorage and wait the week and a half for their vehicle to get there in a hotel. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's I mean, what's the time frame for like a boat ride for that? Like, yeah, that's gotta so, be pretty hard. Ketchikan is like the first stop, and I think it was like two and a half or three days to get up there. But then there's like multiple stops, like all the way up the like Gulf or whatever, mm -hmm. and then into Anchorage. And I think okay. the one to Anchorage is like a week like, or two. Yeah. I like how you used your hand right there to. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like <laughs> this is Alaska. 
These are the illusions. Like, yeah. I'm down like, here. I mean, it actually looks just like freaking. I know. Alaska. This is gnome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm looking at a map right now instead of just looking <laughs> upside down and your knuckles. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Oh my god. I, yeah, I'm doing that from now on. All right. Anyways, <laughs> um, that might be the highlight of the show right there. So, um, okay. So, so all these people are freaking pissed off, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just hanging out in the hotel, <laughs> just chilling, and and then you guys get to. I mean, how long did it take for your truck to get there? So. It actually worked out perfect because our flight got canceled oh, yeah, the night right. before we left the next day. And then okay. we got into Ketchikan uh, Sunday morning and then they made time coming back up because of the, I don't know, the wind or the currents yeah. or whatever. And so then the ferry got there early into Ketchikan too. And so we only had to wait a couple hours for my truck. And then we were there on time to catch the ferry from Ketchikan over to here to Prince of Wales that same evening and then I started work the next morning. Yeah, okay, cool. So, <clears throat> all right. This is gonna sound stupid, right? But okay. whatever, I'm never gonna claim that I'm really smart. So, all right. I knew Alaska was freaking huge. I didn't know how big it actually was. <laughs> Nobody right. does because on the map it's like this big. Like. Yeah. I mean, and then I heard, like, I, like, I, I don't know, I watched this video, right, when I was prepping for this, right, um, where they took the state of Alaska and they put it, it's like half the United States, the size of half the United States, which mm -hmm. is crazy, right, and then, you know, I watch shows on, like, the Discovery Channel and stuff like that, like, we talked about uh, the Browns, that's the name of that family. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're nuts, but whatever, okay, um, horrible horrible teeth on that family um <laughs> i don't think they've ever been to a dentist but um yeah so you get there obviously you have contract work but you know seeing some of your instagram photos and stuff like that you get you you get to do a little bit of exploring but you're on an island right mm -hmm. how big is that island oh i mean i don't know off the top of my head but like width wise you can get across it in okay. less than an hour Oh, okay. So it's yeah. like the state of Rhode Island, maybe? <laughs> mm, I don't know. I know it's the third largest island in the U.S., and it's the island with the most roads on it in Alaska. Okay. That was nice. when I was telling people I was moving Fun to Prince of Wales. <laughs> yeah. And what when I was moving that? to Prince of Wales and Ketchikan, they were like, oh, you'll love Prince of Wales. There's roads everywhere. And I was like, yeah. great. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's all like old forest service and like logging roads and oh, stuff okay. like that. Like the hunting is super easy yeah. because you can like drive your truck most places. Or if you have a okay. four-wheeler, it's like unlimited. Yeah. So my, my Toyota Camry outside is just not going to cut it up there. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Good to know. But there are roads. All right um so 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 you're there right um how does it compare to where you went to college uh i mean it's a completely like different world like you know east texas is like plantations and it's it's wet but it's like seasonal wet you know and like the understory is like way different um mm -hmm. it's warm like, <laughs> I remember it being like 80 in February of one year when I was going to college, but yeah, um, here it's 40 degrees plus or minus 10 year round. Year round. Okay. 
Yeah. So lots then, of lots of hoodies. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lots, lots of light rain jackets. Okay. All right. So Crystal Alexander is looking for a sponsorship by Columbia or North Face. Just so. Cortex. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Um, that's a good plug, by the way. Um, we'll have to send this to uh, to them. All right. Um, so what's some of the work that you're doing? So like, obviously, you know, a lot of our, you know, listeners and stuff like that, they wildlife biologists, right? So, mm -hmm. but, you know, being an FAA certified airport wildlife biologist, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously it's a little bit longer on a resume, but all your work is pretty much done in and around an airport. So kind of walk me through, you know, what does your day-to-day -day look like, you know, managing wildlife uh, on an airport opposed to maybe, I don't know, just what you were doing in Idaho, which was just cutting trees and being a, a logger. <laughs> yeah. which, um, which, wait, were you or were you not uh, a lumberjack? Oh. I was a lumberjack. <laughs> what's the actual terminology for that? Uh, uh, what's the college, the, the sports team called? It, I mean, we were the lumberjacks. Yeah, 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 the Stephen F. Austin lumberjacks, but what's the... What's the correct term for competitive lumberjacking? Is that what it Timber is? Timber sports. Timber sports, that's it. I knew it was yeah. something different. Okay. <laughs> so you were a competitive timber sporter. Timber sporter. Uh -huh. Okay. Second yeah. fastest sawyer in the South, right here. Come on. <laughs> is there a video of that? I want a video of that. Yeah, I'll send you a video. Okay. Did you, I mean, how good were you? Obviously second best, but. Uh, I can cut through an eight by eight piece of wood in 13 seconds by hand. Right. Yeah, when we go to our conference, we're gonna have a saw off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the women's record was 11 seconds. I was, I was pretty close, but. <laughs> I mean, where are you though? Two seconds <laughs> a little bit. All right, so <laughs> back to the airport wildlife. Um, so so yeah, talk, walk me through like, what's, what's your day look like up okay. in Alaska? Um, so the answer that I kind of give most people to explain it, like if it's real short, I'm like, oh, I shoot geese off the runway, like whatever. But everyone listening to this, like already knows that's kind of what we do. Um, so what my job up here to do is a lot of surveys. Um, I can break them down for you a little bit more and counting the birds that are in and around the airport and then within a five mile radius as well. Um, identifying those birds and what, like how many there are in a group. And so we're identifying the hazard that is there. It's a wildlife yeah. hazard assessment. And then after a year of data collection and like putting all that together, then I'm gonna write a wildlife hazard management plan. Okay. And then they'll submit okay. it to the state and hopefully get more funding um, to have a biologist out here full time or to mm -hmm. get more funding to do more wildlife hazing. Okay. And so I do do the part where like I'm hazing geese off the runway, but it's considered wildlife control research and I'm documenting everything and to see like kind of what works the best for this airport. Um, that's why I have the propane cannon and like we're trying yeah. different things out. Okay. Okay. Um, what's uh? So so I I actually looked at an aerial photo of the airport that you're working on. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Just uh, explain to us, kind of the terrain and what's around it, because it's kind of it, it, not. I don't want to use the word sketchy, but <laughs> it's kind of like a gold mine for what you know what Loom Acres is trying to prevent. <laughs> yeah. So they pretty much built the airport like 
one of the worst places possible, but I also understand that it's like, maybe it was like their only option for building an airport. Um, so there's mountains kind of like in the center of the island that you can tell obviously can't build an airport there. So they needed to do it on the edge of the island, which is already a wildlife attractant. But the issue here is that those bays right there are mud flats and then like a little farther north is like a salt marsh okay um and everywhere else on the island it's like rocks and pebbles mm -hmm. around the outside so there's less like the biggest congregation of birds is in those mud flats if they had built the airport somewhere else where it was like cliffs there might be more like sea ducks and that kind of thing mm -hmm. but like there's so many geese and mallards and swans hanging out there mm -hmm. because it's the prime environment for them Okay. Yeah, it was like, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I saw your pro, you, uh, you, you posted on Facebook uh, and Instagram a uh, uh, video of you shooting off the propane cannon and just mm -hmm. scaring, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen to a hundred geese and mallards and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. uh, which was, which was a cool video. Um, so <clears throat> you had mentioned right that it was now starting to get into spring right how has some of the weather changes impacted what you do i mean like when i think of alaska i mean obviously you know i've never been there which you know knock on wood that's going to happen here shortly um once covid which travel restrictions are done thanks thanks covid um i think we need to have like a like lou makers gathering up here like a team building conference you know get out on the boat a little <laughs> I'm down, I'm down. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm packed already, uh, clearly. Uh, I'm a hobo. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so, yeah, so um, when I think of Alaska, especially through the winter months, right, which I'm completely wrong, by the way, uh, I'm thinking like what you see like on TV where it's just like you go outside and you, you freeze to death, right? Yeah. But uh, it's, it's like you said, it's 40 degrees plus or minus 10, right? Yeah, like the coldest I think I've seen here is like 27 maybe, like high 20s, low 30s. Yeah. Like it's like, colder back home in Kansas for sure. It's colder <laughs> here in New York. I mean, like, I don't know, two weeks ago, I was uh, ice fishing on Canisius Lake and it was like four degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um so, but how is, like, what is, like, the weather like out there? Because, I mean, I've heard, like, you know, you know, the long days or whatever, or, like, the darkness. Like, walk me through that, because I don't know. Okay. So, it's not near, because we're so far south, like, the extremes are not near as bad as they are in Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. I think the shortest day here, um, the sun probably came up around, like, 8, 8.30, and then it was setting by, like, 3, 3.30. Okay. Um, we're in Fairbanks. It was, like, noon to 3 was the shortest day. So it's not that bad. And then as the days are going to get longer, it's going to be like 4 a.m. to like 10 p.m. Those will be my really long days. It won't be wow. the like 24 hours of sunlight. Yeah. Um, does that, that mess with like your sleeping and stuff like that? Or like your... Um, I mean, not me personally. Like I could sleep anywhere. But um, these are like blackout curtains. This is my bedroom right here. These okay. are like blackout curtains. And so yeah. they're pretty common Yeah, it comes in handy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so if I'm opening up a curtain business, I'm selling in, in a lot. All right, all right, good to know. Um, so, um, yeah, how does that, yeah, so now that the days are getting really longer, mm -hmm. what does that do for you work-wise? So 
the flights here, the first one starts at 7 a.m. And so I like to be out there before seven to like clear the runway and make sure everything is good. Um, and then the time change like helped me out a little bit. So I scheduled my week out. Um, okay, let me backtrack. So every single week I have to do two dawn, two morning, two afternoon, two dusk, two spotlight, um, and an owl survey on site and then one morning and one afternoon off site. And so I have all of that to get done within a week. And so when the days were really short and then the like rain was really bad, this is one of the rainiest winters we've had apparently. Um, it was really tough to schedule all of that in. Like, how am I supposed to get these, sur if it's like raining a little bit, I'll go ahead and do my survey cause that's typical. But when the wind's blowing like 40 mile an hour gusts and it's just like pouring down rain, yeah. that's, that's not a fair survey, but I only have so much daylight in the day to get it done, you know? So that was kind of difficult. But now that days are getting longer, I can like space them out and like deal with the weather yeah. a little bit more. Um, the schedule I'm kind of on right now is that uh, Monday, I get there, like, try and get there at 7, even on my late mornings. Um, so Mondays and Wednesdays are kind of my later days to where I'll be in there at, like, 7, be there for a few hours, and then I'll come back to my office, which is at home, and, yeah. like, some data stuff or, like, do some research, work on my reports. I'm, like, trying to learn more about tides since I've been up here. Um, and then I'll go back to the airport and try and be there before the three o'clock flights to mm -hmm. clear the runway and then hang out there. And then I'll do my like afternoon, my dusk and my spotlight surveys. Sure. Okay. Monday, Wednesday. And then Tuesday, Thursdays are my early days to where I'm there at dawn to do like my morning surveys and everything, yeah. which last week before the time changed meant I was getting up at like 520. So I could be there before the sun came up, but now I get to like sleep in an extra hour. But. Okay. So that's kind of like how the rest, and then Fridays will be my like kind of makeup days, like if weather yeah. is bad or I need to get extra hours in here, but it's about how it goes. I try uh, yeah, I mean, so how does it affect the wildlife, like when the, when the days are longer, right? Like, you know, I mean, obviously like a nocturnal animal has less time to do what it does, right? So have you seen any kind of like, effect on that or like where it's like different that you're not used to uh so the thing that's different here is that most nocturnal animals are going to be like your little critters and your predators but the fence here is really good i haven't seen oh, okay. a single like animal on the airfield at all Sweet. so back in kansas i had like a huge raccoon coyote bobcat issue and so i'm sure it would be like affected there but here there's not a lot of nocturnal things. Okay. And so most animals, you have nocturnal and then your animals that are active during the day are your diurnal, but most animals are actually crepuscular. So they're like most active at dawn and dusk. And so those are happening anyway. So like, I'm not at the airfield at like noon, one, two o'clock. It's middle of the day. Most things are like chilling out, taking a nap. I try and be at the airfield more for dawn and dusk when everything is most active. Um, all right. So, you, you, you spoke about uh, researching tides. Um, that's something that you've been working on a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, trying to find, at first I was like noticing that at high tide, obviously the waterfowl were going to be like closer to the fence because they're further in. But then at low tide, there seems to be more of them out there and they're like picking through the mud and everything. 
And so it made sense to me that like a receding tide or a low tide might have the most because it like washed in food. And then as it washed out, maybe like left some stuff out there. Okay. And so I was trying to find any like academic research or like peer reviewed articles that actually confirmed that. And there isn't really anything out there. There's like some studies in the UK over like sea ducks. And then I found one paper that was done in British Columbia, but it was just kind of mapping out where the ducks hung out. Like mm -hmm. your sea ducks are in deeper water and your dabbling ducks are in like shallow water, like whatever. I could have said that. And then there's some other countries that have done research on marine mammals and how the different like rising and receding tides affect their densities as well as spring tides and neap tides, which is like how fast the tide is moving in and out. Like during a full moon, it's gonna be a super high tide, but then during your quarter moon, your high tide is only gonna come up like six inches sometimes. And so I was hoping there would be something like that that could be applied up here um, but I haven't found any research on it. So right now when I do my surveys, they're based on the time of day, but I'm also recording what the tide level is. And I just do high tide, low tide, rising, receding. I don't break it down any further than that. And I'm trying to see if there's like one magic spot where like there seems to be the most waterfowl. And then you could like make a suggestion like, hey, like at this time when the tide's like this, maybe not do your flights or schedule around it, but I'm not like actually finding any sort of trend right now, but I've only been doing it the past two months. So, so what's the end goal there? I mean, so you plan on writing a paper and publishing it and that's, which correct me if I'm wrong, that's something that you, you're, you know, wildlife biologist, like that's, that's like, that's what you guys do, right? Yeah, uh, I did like a little bit of undergraduate research and like tried to get some stuff published when I was in college. Okay. Um, and then it just kind of like more colleges tend to do like more of the research because they can get funding easier. Um, when you talk to people with like PhDs, like their main thing is doing research. Um, that's not... Yeah, I've had, and, I've like, had a couple of people with PhDs on the show before. So yeah, <laughs> they love the research. Like, they're really cool jobs. They're all like tech like the cool like handling wildlife jobs they're like tech jobs where you're usually like working for someone doing research mm -hmm. um but you're like day-to-day -day jobs that you're gonna have year-round that are solid like you're doing like habitat mitigation like it's mm -hmm. just kind of a trade-off if you want to do cool biologist stuff like you have to live with your bags packed you know and just like yeah so yeah let's talk about that real quick so <clears throat> um you know so obviously you know um without asking a, a woman her age, um, you've got some experience with, you know, working in this industry and working with your degree, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you, you know, thinking back when you were in college and stuff like that, you know, what, um, what kind of like advice or like, I don't know, what, what path would you, would you wanna stay on or give advice to somebody who's like in that position where, okay, I've got, you know, here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in college, you know, I want to be a wildlife Don't date biologist. in college. What's that? <laughs> don't date in college. And like, <laughs> don't give up job opportunities because like, you want to stay with so-and-so or like, you want to be near your friends or, you know, yeah. like, I was going to go home for the summer. Like, no, like, take the job, travel, like, yeah, get paid $9 an hour and live in a crappy trailer, but it'll be so worth it. Like, mm -hmm. just travel. What's your favorite thing that you've done so far? when it came to your profession? 
Um, it was actually some volunteer work when I was living up in Fairbanks. Um, I was working at a kid's camp and that was super fun. Okay. Um, but it didn't start until nine. And in the mornings there was fishing game was out there. And then also the Alaska songbird Institute and they were banding birds. And so like every morning before work, I would be able to go band ducks or band songbirds. And like, it's that like hands-on type stuff. Is that why you liked it? Because it was hands-on or because you're yeah, a bird? I feel like I have like a lot of appreciation for waterfowl like they're so pretty yeah. like I am a hunter don't get me wrong but like sure, sure, they're sure, sure. so pretty <laughs> yeah yeah I mean so right now I live um which I don't know if I turned it the, yeah you know what let's do it so yeah that's my view yeah so I live right on uh, uh Canisius Lake which is a Finger Lakes up here in upstate New York that's my uh, all right I don't want to up me all right <laughs> whatever all right we're done <laughs> if find you win all right but um <laughs> by the way way more foggy here than i expected um but yeah all the divers and all the puddle ducks are coming back through so like mm -hmm. yesterday i went out you know every morning you know i go out and i watch the sunrise and stuff and i have coffee on my deck um oh that's wonderful yeah 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 it's the softer side um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we've got canvasbacks we've got redheads you know and they're all full plumed right buffalehead mm -hmm. um so yeah so that watching the ducks come back you know uh their spring migration is is awesome and i'm not a bird nerd by any means but i mean dude beautiful is beautiful and uh mm -hmm. yeah their their coloration and stuff like that is gorgeous right now um so it i know every biologist kind of has their, especially at Lumakers, kind of has their area of expertise. What do you think your area of expertise is that you think, you know, man, I'm, you know, I'm really good at this. Like, like, you know, this is my shit. <laughs> so like, what do you, what do you think that is for you? I don't know. Like, like just for working with Lumakers or? Just in general. I know, um, you know, what's your area of expertise with biology? Like, what do you, what do you get really passionate about? And what do you, uh, what are you really good at? Um, I mean, what I get really passionate about is just kind of like the change of seasons and like embracing each change. Like, and like I said, like, I kind of like plan my days around like dawn and dusk. And I feel like every job that I've had, it doesn't follow like a standard nine to five, like come in, do this every single day. Everything is different all the time. Mm -hmm. And my days are more depicted by like weather, tide, the season and like sunrise. And I think that's like the way humans are supposed to live. And so I get like really stoked over that. Like, yeah. and super grateful. Like I'll turn into a big old staff about it. Um, but then Maybe my first podcast guest that cries, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think like being able to change and then also like this job doesn't have like coworkers really. Like I do like Brooke and I talk on a daily basis, but she's in Lincoln. Like I'm by yeah. myself all day, every day. And like kind of being able to like figure things out and get things rolling on your own and like being independent, like it's, it seems strange. Like it doesn't even feel real to say like oh yeah no i'm a airport wildlife biologist at 25 like that doesn't mm -hmm. seem real yeah that's awesome um all right so 
what is okay so we got your best story right so we got your you know this is what i really love to do and mm-hmm. I like how you incorporated children and banding birds and oh it was community <laughs> work let's go to the dark side <laughs> what's the worst thing because like i've talked to a couple of people um you know that told me some stories about them you know 90 degrees in a swamp wading through <laughs> with waders on just going through the mud and stuff like that i've heard you know of a surveying accident gone wrong give me one of those stories where you're just like man what the hell am i doing here like what what am i even doing like this is dumb go ahead so a lot of that is like i like to call it uh the type two type fund you know what that is no so there's type one fund and there's type two fund type one fund is like going to the county fair and like getting on a roller coaster like it's fun it's fun in the moment but you don't ever like look back on it like no one sits around a campfire and talks about roller coasters right but then there's type two fun which it like sucks in the moment and you're like god i want to get out of here this is terrible like what led me to this but then like 10 years from now like that's what you're going to be thinking about you know oh yeah Um, all right and that's what you're going to give me the type two stuff Okay. Um, I haven't been anything like too terrible that you're like, I know you're going along like field work and everything, but probably the worst job I've ever had was one that I thought was going to be really cool. It was right out of college. I only did it for a month and I was working at a deer farm and I was supposed to be a fawn technician, meaning like I would go like pick up the fawns and like tag them and like record all the data about them and like just be out on the farm all the time, like out in the pasture. Well, it turned out more that I was gonna like do a little bit of fawn work. And then I was also gonna like shovel mud and cow shit and fix the swather for this old farmer and like drive a yes. wheat truck. Like, and so it just like wasn't working out and like I knew it wasn't working out. And uh, I mean, I don't wanna like say names. I don't know if they're gonna like listen to nah, this. Or anything, yeah, we don't need that. It like gets on Facebook, but um. The farm was located where like the grandma was on the farm and then her son was my boss and he came in every day and grandma was super racist and that was like (laughs) the breaking point for it like (laughs) she routinely told me I was like too tan or like getting too tan like I had to use the bathroom in the garage like I was not allowed to use the bathroom in the house like we watched Bonanza every single day and like every time they would say like some racist like native like Indian joke she would like glare at me and I was like sorry lady (laughs) Wait, all right, so, all right, so what nationality are you, though? <laughs> I'm mixed. I'm half native. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're half native, right? Yeah. All right, so it's super, that's, like, super awkward and super <laughs> expensive. Um, <laughs> and you lasted a week of that? A month. <laughs> a, bu- a month. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, you know, it was, like, it was May, June time frame, so I just kept getting darker. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, okay, so racist grandma (laughs) on a deer Racist grandma has been my worst job. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't even imagine that's... All right. Obviously... I'd rather be in a swamp with my waders full and there's gators coming. (laughs) Than watching Bonanza eating (laughs) eating sandwiches with Granny? Okay, yeah, you're right. You win. You win. (laughs) Oh, my God. That might be the best thing I've ever... I mean, you obviously you took it well. 
Um, you know, I mean, does that go on a resume? Like, <laughs> do you do you put that deer farm experience on a resume, or you just like skip right over that one? Like, it didn't happen. Uh, I did put it on my resume just because, like, you know, farm work is so good when it comes to wildlife stuff. Like. If I have to meet another grown man who can't work a ratchet strap, I will lose my mind. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, time out, time out, time out. Like, hey, wait, wait. <laughs> like, so farm work has its skills that can be applied to wildlife biology when it comes to things like yeah. that. So, no, it doesn't hurt to have on my resume. And I have been asked during an interview, like, tell me your best job and tell me your worst job. And yeah, my worst job will always be that like at least I have a guaranteed answer <laughs> yeah and then yeah that might actually work because you might get that you know <laughs> get that right out there but <laughs> all right so yeah you know even some of my buddies that like I hunt and fish with mm -hmm. like you put a ratchet strap in their hand and they get that like <laughs> like right and then they they get it twisted so when you try <laughs> they get it off you, oh or they start doing this and it just starts like wrapping yeah and, and it's like I'm this like, oh. yeah it's like the size of a softball and you're like buddy you couldn't have just like <laughs> you only need like three the worst is all right so um my group of buddies and i that go deer hunting right they mm -hmm. always like the tagline for me is like guy can hang a tree stand right now i yeah. am not a small individual you know i'm close to <laughs> I'm over six feet and, you know, I've got a dad bod and stuff like that, but like, <laughs> man, I can get up and down trees and stuff like that. And I can hang tree stands and they always seem to be in a, in a spot where there's deer. Right. But watching my buddies sometimes like even do the ratchet strap around like the ladder. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's funny. I hope they listen to this cause uh, you know, <laughs> Shout out to the Indiana Wolfpack. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it is a skill, I guess, that I didn't ever expect that maybe I should say on like my next date or whatever, like, hey, I can work a ratchet strap. But yeah. Or being know. able to back up a trailer, like, oh, oh my, my God. God yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is one of the things that, so I used to, I used to guide for uh, duck and goose hunting, right? Okay. Um, and that's how I paid for college and stuff like that. But um, so we had this, we had this really, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know what we didn't know back then, right? So we had yeah. this, we went to Harbor Freight. We bought this, uh, this little trailer. I mean, it had to have been like a, man, probably like a 10 foot trailer, right? And it was like 200 bucks and we were poor, I mean, in high yeah. school, I pushed carts at Topps Friendly Supermarket. It was my first job. Shout out um, to uh, Topps. Uh, so, like, we didn't have a ton of money or whatever, and we we're, you know, buying decoys and guns and ammo and stuff. Did you put, like, plywood up around the sides of your little 10-foot trailer and, like, wire it together with, like, old bailing wire? <laughs> All right. So, the first... I've been there. <laughs> yeah. The first edition of that goose trailer was yes, we used two by fours, we got the plywood and we fully enclosed it, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're towing it behind my Isuzu Rodeo, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that thing is, <laughs> and every time you back up, I mean, you're jackknifing it and stuff like that. And it was just, it just did not work, right? So we're like, man, you know, like, we're dragging a lot because we made it so damn tall because I mean, you know, former basketball player. So like, 
yeah, you know, like I'm getting in it and stuff like that. And as you know, so we made it tall enough that like we could walk in it and stuff. But like we made it so tall that yeah, so we're like, shit, man, we need to we need to do something different. So we cut it right in half, and then we would lock it down with like a tarp and strap it down and keep everything compressed. And uh, we get like three seasons in it, and we're like, did you ever grease the the axles? Like, did anybody ever grease the axles when we built this damn thing? All right, nah, I never did. Did did you? No, didn't. Right? We're like, oh. like at any time now, this whole thing is just gonna collapse. That thing lasted like ten years, right? <laughs> and with the same plywood and all that other stuff, and like that thing was the best thing we ever had. But you try, it's a difference, man. I would rather back up, you know, a humongous, you know, forty footer or whatever, opposed mm-hmm. to little time oh my god it was the worst we just got to the point where we would just unhinge it pick it up and then like back it in by hand uh, yeah so yeah uh what else is a is a skill there that's uh that you learned on the farms uh tractors is one like you never know when you're gonna have to hop on one uh driving a stick shift there's so many people who don't know how to do that anymore starting yeah. a truck that's got like an old carb on it like just <laughs> Being able to use a crescent wrench for every job ever. Like. Oh, yeah. What's in your MacGyver toolbox? Like, there's always, you know, obviously a crescent wrench. You got to have mm-hmm. duct tape. What else is in there? Zip ties. Zip ties. Yeah. Uh, ratchet straps will always help. And then my Leatherman. I could use that for anything and everything. Yeah. Um, I For whatever reason, I don't know. Ziploc bags, man. You never know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just never know when you need to keep something, you know, dry or whatever. Um, always, I always needle nose, right? Mm-hmm. Those always come in handy, right? And you got to have, you know, a bottle opener, right? That's all on a Leatherman. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, <laughs> boom, done, roasted. Um, all right, so how long are you planning on being in Alaska? Um Obviously, we got off topic there with racist grandmother. (laughs) um, How long are you going to be in Alaska? So it's a year's worth of data collection. I started in November. um, So through October, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I have two months to write the plan. But I'm kind of like working on the plan like as we go along. So it shouldn't take me two months. Um, and I don't know if I'll be up here for that or if I'll be on to my next job. I don't know if Bluemakers will have something for me. I actually really like it up here now that I'm like actually getting out and doing things and being able to fish and stuff. Yeah. Um, I might stay up here because they're like always need. There's forest service here. There's fishing yeah. game here. There's troopers here. They're always hurting for teachers. Like, I don't know, yeah. maybe I'll stay or maybe I'll be tired of the rain and I'll go work on a hunting ranch in South Texas. Like, <laughs> yeah. How's your tan, how's your tanning, you know, going <laughs> with all that rain? <laughs> Not great, but I got one of these things. It's my happy light. Wow. <laughs> it's like a ultraviolet light or whatever. It's yeah. not for tanning, but you still get like the vitamin D. Vitamin D. It. Is it vitamin E, right? But that it, you get from sunlight? Or it's, it's one of those. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we'll wrap this up. Um, what's your What's your favorite thing to do outside of work up in Alaska? I mean, obviously the fishing. 
Yeah, I just took that from you, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, fishing, hunting, hiking. Uh, I've kind of gotten into beach combing a little bit. Like, what the hell is that? Uh, just walking along the beach and like flipping rocks and like looking for things. Like, there's a name for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I have like this whole shelf already that's like almost full of like different seashells and like dried out starfish and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like sea so, like, glass. Yeah, like the beach version of dumpster diving. Yeah. Okay. Gotta right. fight the goals off. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> you carry guns in your truck and you're, you're fisting them? All right. All right. <laughs> that can be your cover. Fight, you know, fight yeah. the goals off. <laughs> yeah. What do you do for fun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, on, that's on your Tinder profile. <laughs> I fight seagulls for fun. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, um, we left anything I don't think we left anything out this is a really good episode um you know obviously uh it is women's awareness month so and you are a veteran as well so thank you for your service <laughs> um and thank you for coming on today um last question and, and I'll I'll let you go okay okay all right if you could do it all over again right? Uh -huh. All over again. Would you change anything? Mm, that's hard to say because I mean career-wise it's been like perfect. There's been like a lot of like stuff going on like in my personal life that I wish I could change but at the same time like if those things hadn't happened to me like then I wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. So or like in this position at all so I don't think I would change anything like there are some crappy things but like I'm sure, really life. happy where I'm at, but I'm also kind of like always happy and I fall in love with like every place I go to. So yeah. I don't know. Perfect. Probably not, I guess. All right. Crystal Alexander, Moonmakers, certified FAA wildlife biologist. Thank you so much for being on. And um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully everything works out for you up in Alaska and uh, really appreciate your time today. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Crystal. All right. You have a good one. You too.